0: Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. And as always, I have my co-host Matt here with me. Matt, we are ready to continue on with our position review for the New York Jets heading into the 2023 offseason. It is time for the center position, a crucial, crucial position on the offensive line that the Jets have to figure out. Currently, they do not have a starting center. Former starter Connor McGovern is still a free agent, has not been re-signed or signed with any other team at this point. They've signed a couple of backup guys so far in free agency, but no one to be their outright starter. And we got a lot to talk about as to who they could potentially bring in, being free agents or the draft. Looking at where we stand right now, as we always do with this series, looking at what we currently have, it's basically nothing because they lost McGovern to still a free agent. Like I said, their backup guard slash center combo, Dan Feeney, is headed to Miami to join the Dolphins as a free agent. They have brought in Wes Schweitzer, uh, formerly of the Commanders, who's another guy like Feeney that was a backup uh, mostly in his career, has played guard and center, had a couple of starts, been okay, but not someone that you're going to be outright relying on going into the season. And they've also signed Tristan Colon from the Baltimore Ravens, who's another guy that's been mostly a backup and likely a practice squad player. They don't really have anything else outside of that. This has got to be something they have to address one way or the other.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't think that they can go into the draft without having a little bit more certainty at the center position. Uh, it's, the, it's the anchor, it's the middle of our offensive line. If we don't have center kind of nailed down, it's going to reverberate throughout the offensive line. Uh, it's going to force the guards to pay more extra attention to the middle and kind of leave our tackles uh, on an island. And uh, if they need help, then they're not going to have it. They will have to use tight end. So it it, it just, it, it has ripples effect. effect if, you, if you don't have a center you can rely on. Uh, right now, yeah, it's really just Connor McGovern and Ben Jones uh, from Tennessee who are our best options right now in free agency. Uh, I have a feeling that there, it's not like there was a report that they uh, made an offer to Ben Jones. Um, so they see the same need that we see. Uh, so hopefully that gets done. Uh, and Ben Jones is, I think he's 33 now. Uh, so he'll be 34 when the season starts. Uh, I can't imagine them giving him more than uh, maybe a two or three year deal with an option to get out of it. Maybe next year, uh, a relatively uh, good price uh, with little dead caps. Uh, probably do the same to Conor McGovern, uh, who we've always seen as reliable, but not quite. There, there's always something wrong. Uh, I, I always thought that he had the athletic ability that we needed for this offense. But at the same time, his ability to not really hold his weight and throw his weight around uh, was really evident last year and the year before. Uh, he gets zero push on the line. Uh, and his anchor was kind of questionable as well. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, if, if we're looking for an upgrade, Ben Jones is the guy. If we're desperate
0: and that falls through, then yes, bring Connor McGovern back. Yeah, I think that's going to be the first thing that has to get answered is what happens with McGovern. Because if he is brought back, then that buys them another starter that they know they can rely on that knows the scheme that's done it before. But like you were saying, McGovern has always been average at best. And I think with his current, or former contract, he was a little bit overpaid. If you look at how the center market has fallen, it's really been a buyer's market where these guys aren't getting huge, massive contracts. And McGovern was getting paid more than some of the guys that hit the market this year before. And I don't think he's going to get close to that. And with his next deal, whether it's with the Jets or with somebody else, I think he's really going to struggle to find a similar amount of salary. And if he's not willing to take a significant pay cut to come back to New York, I don't know what the Jets are going to do afterwards, because then their only option really is Ben Jones, who's going to be 34 years old, who is another guy. If you listen to Taylor Lewan, formerly Titans left tackle, talking about now Jets offensive line coach Keith Carter, when Keith Carter was with the Titans, Lewan made it very clear that there was a handful of veterans on that team that felt that Carter was a little too abrasive, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe a little too hard on the veterans that he needed to be. And they were overworked and they had so many injuries and maybe that could be a reason why, you know, they kept getting hurt. Maybe Ben Jones is that sort of type of veteran like Lewand where he doesn't necessarily want to go back and play for that coach, which is a, a possibility that we have to be aware of. We can't just act like this is a situation where we know for a fact that everybody in that offensive line room loved Keith Carter to death and they'd be willing to go back and play for him anywhere. We can hope that's the case. And for all we know, Ben Jones may not feel the same way Taylor Lawan does. But if he does and he doesn't want to come to New York, then your options are bring back McGovern and hope that he can take a deal that isn't going to continue to overpay him for an average play or an average uh, play level of play, even when he is significantly older than he was when he signed a deal with the Jets a handful of years ago. Or do you turn to the draft? And I think for the Jets in particular, turning to the draft, there's a handful of good options that we'll definitely get into in a short time. But that really kind of pigeonholes you into desperately, desperately, desperately needing picks and needing to use those picks on a center. This offensive line, as we've talked about multiple, multiple times on this show, needs to be finished off. There's positions that need to be filled. There is nothing guaranteed for the future outside of maybe one guy and Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, The rest of the spots for the future are up for grabs. There's guys that are going to be competing. We're going to see the return of Makai Becton. I'm very excited for that. Dwayne Brown, we know, is coming back, but he's, I believe he'll be 39 going into this season. He almost mm-hmm. retired due to injury the year before. You know, there's not much reliability there. Wake and Tomlinson, really, really disappointed in his first season. He's going to have to have a huge rebound, or this will be likely his last year starting in New York. And outside of that, there isn't much. You know, we're waiting to see word on Max Mitchell's health, but we, for his own sake and his own life, I hope that he gets everything with that straightened out and doesn't even think about football. Not going to rely on that for the Jets on the other side either way. They have so many holes to fill. And if you go into the draft not having a starting center, you are just making those holes even more glaring and making yourself even more desperate. And if you have to give up the 43rd pick in the draft to get Aaron Rodgers, if that's how this is eventually going to have to happen, where the Jets cannot keep their second round pick this year, if they want to get a Rodgers deal done whatsoever, that's going to make it even harder. So I think the first thing that they should be doing, Matt, and I want to get your opinion on this as well, I think they absolutely should be doing whatever they can to get Ben Jones in on a one-year deal. I think you don't need to sign him for any longer than that. You need to secure your starting center for 2023. And then you look, after you get that taken care of, assuming Ben Jones is okay playing for Keith Carter again, you look to the third, maybe fourth round of the NFL draft to find a developmental center that maybe can be another guy that plays guard as well, that can be a backup in multiple spots, that can learn from Ben Jones for a year, and then eventually take over as the starting center in 2024 while they're still on a cheap mid-round rookie contract. I think that's the best way to solve this position right now. If you have uh, any other thoughts or feel, feel differently, I'd love to hear them, but I think this is their only option, quite honestly.
1: No, I, I agree. Uh, Yeah, first, well, first, we need to... Do you think that the Ben Jones, uh, that will figure out center before Rogers? Because I feel like what happens with Rogers has, will we'll kind of really set the stage for what we do the rest of the draft. Because yeah, it, it could be a 43rd, it could be a third round pick, it could be a fourth round pick. Uh, we have no idea at this point uh, what, what, what JD is, is really thinking. Um, but yeah, it, it, I would, but they already made the inroads with Ben Jones. Uh, so hopefully that gets done. I don't think they want to go into uh, our a year where we maybe only have one shot with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. With a rookie center under uh, with uh, uh, snapping to Rodgers. And I don't think Rodgers would be very comfortable with that either. Um, so if if it doesn't get done with Ben Jones, I think that they maybe even give in to uh, Conor McGovern's demands a little bit. Uh, just to bring him back, because it, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to go into the draft, uh, with so much in inexperience, um, and yeah, I and mean, we have options with with uh, Vera Tucker, where we can move him around, and uh, he, he to my knowledge he's never played center, uh, but so I'm not going to rely on him for that, uh, but I like the idea of him being the movable piece, uh, inside and outside, uh, which kind of frees us up to do to not be desperate for another tackle um where we can spend uh our draft capital elsewhere like shoring up the inside because if ABT is forced to go outside then we're going to need somebody to step right in uh Herbig was okay last year uh as a guy that could play center and guard uh we have Schwerzer in now that I believe, is... is uh, like I think you mentioned this as well, Is that he's kind of the replacement of Feeney. So, that's okay, fine. But if we don't have anybody to be the Herbig guy, uh, then that's a problem. The, if AVT is forced to move out like he was last year. Um, now, does that Herbig guy need to be a vet that uh, can move inside and, uh, or move to, from center to guard? I don't think it needs to be. I think if you get a solid enough guy uh, on in the second day of the draft, I think there's plenty of, of names that we're going to mention soon that can kind of fill that role. That can be the guy that that fills in uh, for AVT if he is forced to move, or have a nice redshirt year uh, behind Ben Jones and then takes the reins next year. Um, it kind of sets the the lineup for uh, for a future where they. There isn't too much of a drop-off, and we already have some guys that are seasoned in the offense and uh, and can kind of you know just uh, step right in from where the, the vets this year uh,
0: leave off. Yeah, that's going to be the best possible course of action uh, is getting someone in behind a Ben Jones or a McGovern that can continue to learn and grow with this system and be ready to take over in year two and not have to start as a rookie year one, potentially for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's a really, really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. I don't think Rodgers wants a rookie center either. And I think fully confident that Aaron Rodgers is going to set his own protections and that he's not going to be relying on a rookie to do it for him and be upset when the rookie messes up a protection call. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think he's going to expect whatever center he is working with to know his protection calls, be able to distribute them and make sure everyone else as the center's job is Everyone, make sure everyone on the offensive line is on the same page, even if he himself as the center is not making the calls out right. I don't think Rogers is going to want to wait around. We've seen how he has been with rookie receivers in the past. We don't know how he's been with rookie centers, but I can imagine it's going to be a similar situation. And if Rogers is coming to New York, we're hoping it's because he wants to win and he thinks the Jets give him the best chance to do that still. He's not going to want to wait for a rookie to get up to speed with the program. So what we have to view this situation as is I think the a rookie center starts for the Jets in 2023 in a disaster scenario that they did not get Ben Jones or McGovern back. And they have no choice but to go and find the best rookie they can and hope that they're going to be good enough to step in day one and handle whatever Rodgers is going to expect out of them, as well as what the NFL is going to expect out of them, too. So let's get right into this, looking at these draft prospects. The guy at the top of pretty much every list, not necessarily mine, but I know he's your top guy as well, and the top guy for, for a lot of people, um, that study the draft. That's John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. And let me start by saying just because he may not be my top center does not mean that he is not a great player. And I would be perfectly happy if the Jets were to add him. If they have to have a center to start as a rookie, John Michael Schmitz is probably the best one you're going to find for what the Jets system entails for their ability and need for guys to get out in space to reach block on the, the first level and get across wide defensive tackles and defensive ends and seal them off as well as get up to linebackers. He can do that. He's The other side of McGovern, like we're talking about where McGovern's really mobile, but he doesn't quite have the power to hold up an anchor and pass protection or to drive people out of gaps in short yardage and power plays. John Michael Schmitz can do that just fine. And he's perfectly sound there. His pass protection technique, very sound as well. He is very much a, a clean prospect where he does pretty much everything you could ask good, if not great. But he may not be elite in any one sort of area, and he's an average overall athlete. Not a bad athlete whatsoever, but just average. Looking at the Jets' 2023 line situation, if John Michael Schmitz is their starter, it's because they took him in the second round. And there's not a guarantee that I think he'll be there with how everyone seems to be valuing him. It seems like 43 is going to be his, like, floor where assuming the Jets don't get uh, someone to be their starter and they can feel comfortable skipping on center at, with their second round pick, I think John Michael Schmitz is very, a very high chance to be to pick at 43, and I don't think many Jets fans would be upset, and I don't really think there's a reason for them to be upset. Matt, I want you to talk about him a little more because I know he is your top-rated guy, and this is more just on our philosophies, I think, just differing more than anything else, where we both are seeing the same things, we just value certain other aspects slightly differently. Sell me on why John Michael Schmitz is the best center in the class.
1: All right. So, one thing that I think everybody, or a lot of people value is consistency. Uh, and that is probably one of his biggest strengths. Uh, because when it comes to consistency, you have somebody you can rely on. And we are talking about, hey, if a disaster scenario happens and we do need to rely on a rookie center, I want somebody that is reliable. Uh, and that would be JMS. So, yeah, he's he's not elite at any one thing. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, and yeah, I would say he's probably reached his, his ceiling or was pretty close to his ceiling as well. Uh, I don't see him really taking any giant leaps forward in any one area. So I'm looking at a guy that has a very high floor and a decently high ceiling. Um, and yeah, in a crunch, I think he's the perfect guy. Uh, if you need a starter, this is the guy. Because he can do it. He can do anything you want him to do. He can be in any system that you run. Uh, he's got enough movement skills to be able to even make it in an, an R. Uh, so yeah, he is my top guy, just for the simple fact that he is the most reliable uh, and can be counted on to to do whatever we would ask him to do. Uh, and yeah, I believe that from what he's shown on game tape and at the Senior Bowl uh, is that a lot of it is, is something that a lot of teams are valuing and that it, the reliability in the, in the position of center just needs to be so sound. And with that reliability, you get, you get a guy like, like Smith who can just step in day one and be the guy. So that's why he's my number one. Uh, but at the same time, I always get trapped in this, this little cycle where I will view uh, reliability maybe too highly, and I take kind of pass on upside a little bit more, where, yeah, there's guys uh, that have a lot more upside than Schmidt, uh as far as athletic and strength profiles go. Uh, but at the same time, they're not as reliable. They're not as consistent. So I kind of push them down a little bit. Uh, but you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing to be safe. And at center, I think you want to be safe.
0: No, and I don't disagree with any of that. And I think you're making a really good point. Like I said, this is our, our difference in philosophies where you tend to value guys that are more clean. You look for development. You look for guys that you are, can feel good about. You can feel safe about. You do. You get a lot of good draft picks by doing it that way. You, you rarely miss. And I'm not disagreeing with your thought process at all. It's just a slight difference in, in how we view scouting in general I've always valued upside I've always going to hold that in a high regard because I believe quite honestly if you're an NFL coach you should be able to improve players you should be able to take someone that's raw that needs some teaching and do that teaching and turn them into a better player as a result so I'm going to look for the guys with higher ceilings because I want the best possible players we can and if I'm spending a high pick on a player not only do I want them to be a quality starter but I want them to have upside for the future where I want to know what I'm getting in the short term, but I also want guys that can develop and be better than they are right now, three, four, five years down the line. You're really in the NFL, you're looking for guys to sign second contracts. You're looking for guys to be rookie contributors on their first deal with the contract structure the way it is, but you want to build the team through the draft. You're looking for guys that can develop and grow into being quality starters in the future, where you may be find a guy that might be a mid first round pick and he can end up being one of the best players at his position in the NFL because he had that upside. I don't disagree with Schmitz being the guy that if you want to come in and you need someone to start as a rookie, that I think he's going to be the best one to do it. I think he's got the most experience in the run game. I think that's, um, not the most experienced, but the most diverse experience of run game and pass game where he's got a different sort, a uh, handful of run concepts at Minnesota. They had Mo Ibrahim for a while. It was a really good running back that I like a lot when we get to running backs, So I'm definitely going to talk about him. We can wait on that for now. You know, they've ran a handful of different concepts and he's been able to handle and execute them all really, really well. That's a positive. They do have something of a passing game. Like, I think the next guy we'll talk about at Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's passing game is not too developed, and so their center has not had as many opportunities to pass protect. That doesn't mean he can't do it, but it's not as much of an obvious strength compared to a guy like JMS, who has had a handful of pass protection reps as well. He's technically sound in all areas. He's not out of position. He's able to read what defenses are doing, picks up stunts and twists well. All of that is completely and totally sound. And and he would be a very, very good pick at 43. But I feel like that's the the desperation pick. And I feel like if you are being quite honest, if I'm being quite honest, I'm hoping that the Jets sign a center and can look for a guy maybe later down the order with a little more upside, because where we value these handful of centers we're going to talk about, we've already discussed this before we started recording that we have all of these guys rated as like second round picks. And and there's a handful of some really, really solid center prospects that there's going to be a bit of a run, probably, but there's still going to be probably a couple options for the Jets in the third round and maybe the fourth round as well, especially if they don't need someone to start day one as a rookie. I was leading in a little bit about Joe Joe Titman at Wisconsin before. Go ahead and talk about Joe Titman. So I know he's a guy you like a lot, and it's a little bit different than JMS, like I was saying, because his run game is the best aspect of his game his ability to be so big and strong and move in Wisconsin's offense and still get out in space and be effective, it's really something to watch.
1: Yeah, Tittman
0: is a very big guy.
1: He is 6'6", 319. Uh, He has a 99.2 career pass blocking efficiency rate. Uh, He averages about 4.5 penalties per year. He's only played center, uh, only a two-year starter. But he's got some amazing movement skills for a guy that tall. Now, you don't really see that many 6'6 six, six, uh, centers. Um, I don't remember the last one. <laughs> so it, the, he's, he's in a, a small fraternity of, of very tall centers. Uh, but I think he would be just fine if, you, if we asked him to play uh, guard. In fact, he might be better fit for guard at, at that size uh, for, as far as leverage goes. Uh, but at the same time, he plays with pretty good leverage uh even for six, 6 6 foot 6 uh and he, he moves very well he's very explosive out of his stance he's got great upper body strength he's got great leg drive he's got a great anchor uh and his movement skills and balance and ability to to maintain blocks on the second level or while pulling uh i i like them all I, it, it it's a nice combination of of strength and and uh, and uh Athletic ability, um, but yeah, he's only a two-year starter, uh, and he's coming from an offense that really uh, strains the the run game. So, what he has shown is great, but uh, yeah, like you said, with with uh, pass blocking, you kind of wish that you saw a little bit more of a portfolio with him. Uh, something to really that he can really hang his hat on, saying, hey, "Yes, I can make a statement in the passing game as well." as the running game. Uh, So that is probably why I have him just a little bit lower, but he is my second uh, center. uh, Just for the fact that he is a very clean uh, center uh, prospect. Uh, But yeah, there's just a little bit more you would like to see uh, before you really uh, iron him in as maybe a a prospect that's challenging Schmidt. So uh, he's there but I'd like to see him develop more as a pass blocker uh, or just see more of him as a pass blocker. Uh, So with that question, I I just can't put him as, as my top center. Uh, I, I would love to just have that question answered before, which is kind of what we're talking about. If we want a guy that can sit for a little bit and kind of uh, get his hooks in the league and, and find his footing, then he can really develop that, that aspect of his game as a pass blocker uh, and, and really kind of have the upside to be one of the top prospects uh, coming out of this, this year. So, yes, I, I love him, but I still would like to see a little bit more before I put any kind of confidence in him uh, as a day one starter, which I probably would not do. Uh, so, yeah, in a crunch, JMS is the guy for a day one st- starter. Uh, but if I'm looking for somebody, maybe if, if we move back in the second or if we gain another second
0: by moving back in the first, uh, I start to look at Titman. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. And I think that's the, the key point to make with Titman above anything else is that what we're, we're not saying he's raw. We're not saying he can't pass protect. We're not saying he has no idea what he's doing and you know, you're going to have to completely teach this guy and he's a complete one trick pony or anything. That's not what we're saying at all. What we are saying is because of the offense he is in, the way Wisconsin has operated and has operated for basically as long as they've existed, they value the run more than anything else. And they are going to look to run the ball with sets that you don't see too often in the NFL anymore with two tight ends, two you know running backs, fullback, no receivers on the field. And they're running power, you know, 20 times a game right at the gut and pulling a guard and Tittman's down blocking the, the nose tackle. And that's what he's his job is to do. And he does it really, really well. We just want to see more opportunities for him because we can't sit here and say, oh, he's going to be perfect in pass protection against all of these different opportunities and all these different looks and alignments and types of players and types of rushes because we haven't seen him get the opportunity to do it. That doesn't mean he can't. Just because we haven't seen it and just because he hasn't been given that chance doesn't mean he's incapable. But we also at the same time can't sit here and go, oh, well, he will he'll be fine anyway. Uh, You know, I'm not saying he can't do it. So just because I haven't seen it, he probably still can. It'll be fine. We can't go on a limb and say that. And we can't just outright go, oh, you know, he'll figure it out. And he's really good at everything else. So he'll be fine at this, too. That gives me pause with him overall. But I think out of anybody we're going to talk today, talk about today, I think he is the best option of a we have a Ben Jones and McGovern in place and we take this guy and let him start in year two. Because the, the frame and the athleticism and the upside, the size at 6'6", 313 pounds, the ability to get out in space and move and pull. Uh, Wisconsin had a play where they ran a reverse play where he starts, it looks like a, a pitch to the left, and he goes and starts pulling and then leaks upfield and cuts back across the grain to be as a lead blocker for the reverse going back to the right. And he's getting out on a safety, and he's almost keeping up with the reverse going to the corner. For a guy that's 6'6", and 3'13", that was really, really impressive to me. He has plenty of strength as well. Playing in that Wisconsin offense, you have to be a guy that can be tough and move people at the line of scrimmage and win immediately with raw power. He can do that too. And he usually doesn't give a lot of ground in the run game where he's not getting you know completely walked back, getting put on a sled or anything and, and giving up any ground. So it would make me believe that he can have that sort of anchor and pass protection as well because he has the physical strength to do it. But I can't go 110% sure and say, oh yes, he can pass protect and hold up against power rushes because he's a good drive blocker in the run game. There's a little bit of a disconnect there. I would love him as a developmental pick. I would absolutely, absolutely be jumping for joy if the Jets were to take him at 74 in the third round, if he's available and they got a Ben Jones or a McGovern back or somebody else to be their starter as a free agent, as a veteran, and let Titman take a year to learn under them Iron out, you know, get more reps and practice and pass protection. I think he'll be able to learn. I think he'll be able to do it. I think he just needs the experience. And if you give him that year before he has to take over fully as the starting center, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. I would like that a lot.
1: Yeah, and in the scenario they were talking about where AVT has to move, I think you'd be just fine playing guard. Uh, I it, he can get a little high in his pad level. Uh, which can cause uh, shorter uh, defenders with uh, with good pad level to really get under him. Uh, so I can see that being a little bit of a problem for him. Uh, but I think there's that that could be taught. I mean, yes, naturally he is going to have uh, a little higher pad levels, but I think he can work on it uh, to the effect where he can get a, he can be more consistent and not pop up. So he, he does that if if, if he can. Kind of get that under control, uh, then I think his, his ability with leverage uh, will definitely uh, improve and flourish. Uh, yeah, it, it it's it's. But then that gets me thinking. Like we're thinking developmental guys now with the upside, and if we're thinking developmental, is this something that we want to spend a second round pick on? Uh, are, are we okay taking a developmental guy in the second round? when we can be looking at potential starters day one. And at pick 43, I am probably looking for somebody that could be a, uh, a, a starter either day one or uh, has tremendous value going forward at a position like quarterback, maybe. Uh, so if we're thinking at pick 43, I think that's a little high for Tipman. Uh, but if we were to move back a little bit or to get another second round pick with a trade, I start to look at him a little bit
0: more uh, favorable. Yeah, I completely and totally agree. And I think this is the scenario that we have to be aware of. Assuming they have their 43rd overall pick to use and it doesn't you know, get traded for Aaron Rodgers and they have that option. I think if. In this scenario, I would have guessed that let's just say that this doesn't happen before the draft and the Jets will be trading 2024 picks for Aaron Rodgers instead of 2023 picks and they have all their picks this coming draft. Then, yeah, second round, that's got to be an impact player. That's got to be a starter. Even at the very least, it's got to be a highly impactful rotational piece that's going to see the field considerably in year one. You have to be loading up and using your highest ammo to round out this roster to be able to make this run while you have the one year of Rodgers that you know you have it. Because like we've talked about at length at this point in other shows, there's no guarantee Aaron Rodgers is going to play more than one year for the Jets. So you have to make sure this one year is your best possible shot. And you can't be using a top 50 pick on a player that's got a developmental piece that isn't going to play pretty much in anything but a disaster scenario in year one. I don't think that quite lines up as well. But as a third round pick or as an extra second, if they were to have a trade down in the first round and pick up some extra picks that way, I think it would be a really good move. And I think Tittman would absolutely be a guy that would flourish with that year of development under his belt, where he could be one of the better centers in the league at some point, and he just needs the time to get there. This would buy him the time to get there, and it would also give the Jets to free up ammo to use other places to try and make an impact in year one. I like that plan a lot, but it's all going to depend on what they give up for Rodgers. Because if they give up 43, then this doesn't even become an argument. And now we get pushed even further down the board where you're going to take somebody at 13 and you're not going to have another pick until 74. Probably see Joe Douglas trade down from 13 at that point to try and bring some of those picks back. But there's no guarantee for that either. I'm I'm on board with Titman. I really like his tape. I think he would be a fit. He'd be a great developmental option. But I want to talk about the guy I want to talk about next. Quite honestly, and this is kind of shocking. I think might be the best other rookie starter if it comes down to it, and the Jets don't get a free agent and they need a rookie to start at center. And for people that listen to this show, they're expecting me to say, "Oh, say Segano, with Timmy at Michigan." And yes, that's a mouthful, but I've learned that name through and through at this point with how much I like the guy. He is awesome, and he is my top-ranked center. And I'm not going to move away from that because I'm blown away by his tape. I'm blown away by the power. He is by no means the a great athlete is. 40-yard split, or his 40-yard dash and his 20-yard split were not good, but his 10-yard split and ability to get out in space quickly at the beginning of a play, he's got that. He had an above-average 10-yard split for center prospects that gives me uh, some hope that he can be an effective player in our zone scheme getting out on the move. But Segon Oluwatimi is not the guy I'm going to say that would be the best rookie starter for the Jets besides John Michael Schmitz. And it's the guy I have ranked as my second highest center, and that's Luke Whipple at Ohio State. Luke Whipler is a guy that deserves just as much, if not more press than some of these other center prospects getting talked about. And the only reason he's not is because he's playing in between two first round tackles and their and their quarterback's going to be the first overall pick. He's getting lost in the shuffle of greatness that is Ohio State and how many good prospects that they have. But make no mistake about it. Luke Whippler is a damn good football player. And would be a a player that I think the Jets would really, really value. And Matt, I think you'll agree with this. Looking purely from an athleticism standpoint, he's more athletic than John Michael Schmitz. He's an easier mover. He's faster. He's quicker. He gets out in space faster. He's more agile. He's able to change direction. He's able to shuffle and move his feet back and forth if he needs to. Not that Schmitz can't do any of that. But I think Whipler is better and just a more athletic player overall. That's going to lend to the Jets' scheme even more so than JMS would, and especially because Ohio State's ran a lot of zone concepts before, too, in the handful of years that he's been starting there. He's executed a lot of the same type of plays that the Jets are going to run from a run game perspective, where it may not be the exact same formation. It may not be the exact same play call against the exact same defense, but the style of play is similar. The idea of the play is similar. The techniques that he's being taught are similar, and it should make that transition easier. And the number one thing that gets me with Luke Whipler that I think makes him the better option as the rookie starter, Ohio State throws the ball all over the yard, and he's had plenty of reps and pass protection and has shown that he is just fine. He is no, no slouch when it comes to defending against pass rushers whatsoever. Able to read stunts and twists well, that's a big thing for us that we talk about a lot. Guys got to be aware as an offensive lineman, you have to be smart. You have to be aware of what's happening around you. You can't be getting fooled by defensive line, you know, games, trying to mess with your protections. You got to know what's happening. You got to be able to communicate with the guys around you and act as a unit. Whippler absolutely does that in spades. Looks for work all the time, helps out his teammates, has a good anchor and pass protection, resets his hands well when he's first beaten, is able to get into guys' chests quickly and lock them down and hold them in place, and like I said, he has the agility and the speed to keep up with guys going side to side, too. I really, really was impressed with him, and he was one of the, the last guys that I've watched in this group of centers, where I'd been through, I started with Olu, and I've had other guys in between, and i loved Olu for months now from the second I started watching him, The next guy that I've seen, quite honestly, that has really blown me away and has given me pause to go, wow, this guy is freaking awesome. And I see a bunch of potential here and there's already a good floor and you let him continue to develop and he could get even better. That's Whippler for me. I am. I really, really, really like this guy. I think he's a perfect fit for the Jets offense and what they want to do. And if JMS is gone at 43 and they need a center, I would I would take Whitman over Olu, even though I have Olu rated higher as my overall ratings. I think Wh- Whipler is the better fit for the Jets. And I think what they would need out of a rookie center besides JMS, I don't think there's anybody in this class that'll do it better.
1: Yeah, uh, I have Titman as my like 2A and then Whipler as my 2B uh, options at center. He is very solid. Uh, he, I believe, is even said that he models his game after Jeff Legend, Nick Mangle. So that's going to uh, get a lot of Ohio excited. State alum as, as well. Ohio we State could, alum. You
0: could just restart, restart the cycle exactly. and just put another Ohio State
1: center <laughs> in there and let it work. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love this guy. I love his, his foot quickness. Uh, I, I love his angles. He, he is consistent with taking very good angles uh, to defenders or to the second level. Uh, he maintains uh blocks very well uh the only knock i have on him really is that he's on the ground a lot uh and that he can lose his balance and just find his, himself planted uh so that's about it <laughs> everything else is just incredibly solid um so yeah i can i can maybe see him overtaking tipman as my number 2 guy in my final rankings uh the, Right now, I just find him extremely solid uh, overall. Uh, he's got the, that ideal size at 6'3", 300. Uh, so he, he's, he definitely doesn't have the, the size that, uh, that Tittman has. Uh, but at the same time, he's he's pretty damn good at everything. Uh, I think he ran a 4'5", 3' sh- uh, short shuttle, uh, which is not in that elite range where... Uh, people start to take notice. I think that's a 4.47. If he was, if it was in that range, uh, I, I think, uh, he would be a lock maybe as the number one center. Uh, but he's just outside that with with 4.53, but still very respectable. I think that puts him in the 89th percentile as far as centers go. Uh, so he's, he's got a lot going for him. Uh, and yeah, if we're looking for a guy that, that has, uh, that ability to to really be a foundational piece in the against the run and in pass blocking uh he's definitely a guy that i am looking at as well uh again i probably wouldn't take him at 43 uh but i would probably take him a little bit further back but not too far you
0: know i don't think in in a perfect scenario they're not taking him at 43 Because they have a free agent center and they aren't desperate enough. And if they were to take, and quite honestly, I would think taking JMS at 43 would be the same sort of deal where you're reaching for need because you need a starting center. And sometimes that's what you have to do when you have no other options and you get the best guy you can. And even if the value on the draft board isn't always perfectly lined up, you get the best player in a position of need that you know can play and do what you need them to do. And you need someone to start as a rookie. That's the situation you're forced into. You do the best you can do. That's kind of exactly why I'm saying. Quite honestly, it's why I have Whipler rated higher than JMS, and it's why I think those are the two guys that fit the best as potential rookie starters. Forty third overall pick, assuming they keep it, assuming they need a center, those are the guys I look at because they are the most well schooled in all areas. Where JMS can run block, we've seen it. He's hand ran a handful of different concepts. Don't have to worry about that whatsoever. Very technically sound. Called the protections for Minnesota's offensive line. Did a good job of it there can drive block, can win with power, can hold up against uh, an anchor against power as well, can shuffle with speed and keep up with speed. It doesn't matter what run concept you want. There's a lot to like there. And he's a guy that I'm very confident could come in and be a good starter day one because he's been experienced in so many different areas and shown that he can do it. I feel the exact same way about Luke Whippler where I am look at him and I go, Ohio State has one of the most diverse passing offenses in college football. They've thrown the ball all over the yard for years now. CJ Stroud said, I'm pretty sure 4,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. You know, they're no slouch to passing the ball. He's no, no stranger to pass protection at all. And that is a huge, huge deal in the NFL that is so important and centered around the passing game, especially for the Jets, where we saw this past year how often did Connor McGovern get walked back into the pocket and the integrity of the pocket gets collapsed or Very he gets immediately much. beat by a stunt and a free rusher comes in between him that he doesn't see? You know, it's hugely important that these guys for the Jets can pass protect, especially if Aaron Rodgers is at 39 is the quarterback. That, that to me is like when I'm looking at what the Jets need on top of just how they fit in the run game, pass protection is at the top of my list because they need to keep the front of the pocket sound. They need to give Aaron Rodgers room to step up and move and shuffle and create if the edges are getting beaten and pressure is coming in from the outside. And they need to be able to win in the run game and win on the inside and short yardage and generate yards. We can't be having all of these 1st and 10 runs that go for one or two yards that just kill drives like we saw so many times this past season. You need guys that can handle being sound in pass protection and being able to create space in the run game those two guys at the top of my list are jms and luke whippler and luke whippler's a better athlete and that's why i have him rated higher it's it's really it's that simple for me where i'm looking at them technically i think whippler is a little less technically refined i would like to see him play a little more balanced i would like to see him not get so far out on his toes every now and again and kind of hone things back in because he is such a good athlete. He has the ability to get out in space. He had an eight, five, two RAS relative athletic score, which is a really, really good score. It's not blow the doors off amazing, but it's solid. And he's a very good athlete. He just gets a little too excited and is a little too quick and just needs to be a little more timed and a little more in control. That'll come with experience. That'll come with time. That's something that I expect him to get better at in the future. But his development outside of that You can't really ask for much else. And I feel that exact same way about JMS, where JMS technically developed, technically refined. You're not going to have any questions about him being able to handle a playbook or any questions about him being able to handle different pass rush moves or alignments from, you know, different alignments from defensive ends or blitzes. He should be fine. And I feel the same way about Whippler. I'm I don't know why he isn't getting talked about more. And I said at the top, I think it's because his team is so good. There's so many other players at Ohio State that get talked about before him, but I feel like he's going to get lost in the process and he's going to go on to be a multi-year starter in the NFL and people are going to wonder why he was a third-round pick. That's where I'm at. I think this dude's a top 50 player.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I have him in the top 50 as well. Uh, I think it's more of the position. Uh, I think there's something to that for sure. The number one center is going to, uh, on most people's minds is going to get a lot of the talk, and then most people are going to kind of tune out after that, uh, at a national level, uh, when it comes to center. So I could see a lot of people kind of just going by the wayside, uh, in, in, in on draft, uh, Twitter at least. Uh, but at the same time, the scouts and, and the teams, they're going to be paying attention to guys like Whippler, to guys like Pittman, to guys like, uh, go that go beyond jms uh i just have Whippler as maybe slightly uh less consistent uh as than jms uh which is why i, I have jms a, a little ahead of him uh cuz like i said i i just value that consistency a little bit more uh and but yeah it's not so far behind where i am looking at any of these guys as being as as being like so far down in the rankings, right? That JMS like a- isn't clear. head
0: and shoulders better no. than the rest of these guys. And I think that's an important note for for people to take home from this episode: is that he's getting all of the love and all the press at the top center, and he's really good. It's not like we're saying that he isn't. We're not trying to trash JMS whatsoever. He is a great player, and he's going to be a great player in the league. But so are these other guys, and they deserve to get talked about too. And the gap between the guys that we're going to bring up and two others that we have left to talk about before we end the show the gap between them and where we view JMS is not really that far. They're all kind of clustered in the same tier and how you rank them as kind of a, a one to four, four or five scenario of guys, you know, is, it's really about personal preference, which is why our rankings are different, Matt, where you value consistency and JMS is the number one consistency guy and he's able to do everything and you know, he's going to be able to do everything and you have no questions about it. So he's your top guy. I fully understand. I don't blame you whatsoever. Just because we may not completely agree on the order does not mean that I don't understand your process and think it's completely sound, because it absolutely is. But that's the type of of difference we're talking about where it comes down to preference. There isn't a large, large gap in grade, and I really think it's important to make that known.
1: No, it's not much different at all. Uh, Yeah, I I have, let's see, I have a second-round grade on four guys so and they're kind of all interchangeable uh i will eventually solidify people into a certain spot but
0: again the it it's all preference it really is it really is uh let's talk about ricky stromberg at arkansas as a guy that you've liked for a while now i don't necessarily know where he falls in your rankings currently but i know that he's a guy you've liked for a long time and a guy you wanted to talk about specifically today so let's talk about him again we brought him up at the very beginning of the offseason back in january when we were looking over at the class as a whole in the Jets' needs. Now we've had some time to dig in a little deeper. Let's talk about Stromberg.
1: So Stromberg, I don't have a second-round grade on right now. Uh, I But at the same time, I love his developmental uh, aspect of his game, where he does have that athletic profile that we look for. He does have that strength that we're looking for. Uh, but he's still just a little unrefined and wild, kind of a, a bull in a china shop when he's on the move. He can move as, as good as anybody else in this draft. Uh, I believe his right now he's seeded as the top seed uh, in, R- in RAS score uh, for centers uh, just above Whippler. So he is a mover and a mover of people. So he can do it all. But at the same time, I am not taking him with the second round pick because he is not consistent. Uh, he is, and like I said, he's a little wild and needs to be refined. Uh, So there's a lot to his game that needs to be developed. And so more so than any of the other guys that we're talking about in the second round, uh, But which I think is fine for us, where we can take a guy in the third round or fourth round uh, like Stromberg and develop him behind a guy like Ben Jones. And that's maybe a little bit more appropriate to take a guy in the third or fourth like Stromberg uh, and, and develop him than it is to take a guy like Whipler or Titman or Schmidt early in the second round and then just have them sit for a redshirt year. Uh, so it, it, it's probably a more realistic option for our situation is a
0: guy like Stromberg. Uh,
1: and uh, it, it's probably where I would be
0: a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I completely and totally agree. We are 110% on the same page. I think he is a solid third-round player. I do not think he is a second-round player. He would probably just barely get into my top 75, but it wouldn't be probably any higher than about 65. So he is a solid mid-third-round player in my grading, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And he is absolutely another great candidate for the you-don't-need-to-start-right-away-and-we-can-develop-you type of player. From an athleticism standpoint, he's the best in the class, period. He had a 9.53 RAS, which is great. He had above 90th percentile explosion numbers and jump numbers in the vert and broad, which is really important as well. He had a 88.75 percentile 10-yard split as a center, which is also important getting out of your stance. This is a guy that is a great, great athlete, and it shows up on tape as well. That's always important. You want to make sure when guys test well, that they back that up on tape. And at the end of the day, the tape is what matters because they're going to be running with all those pads on and how they look on the field is more important than what they run on a track. But you want to make sure things are are congruent and you want to make sure that there's, if someone tests fantastic, that they're playing that same way too. Stromberg backs that up. He absolutely can, can move, no question about it. He is very, very, very good in space and his ability to just be an easy mover and keep up with guys down the field is really really impressive but like you said he's inconsistent and you had described him as a bull in a china shop of uh, you know earlier today and i completely and totally agree with that assessment where he is just i'm this crazy athlete and i'm big and i'm pretty strong and i'm just gonna run around and knock people over and and hope for the best and you'd like to see him be a little more controlled you'd like to see him be a little more aware of what's going on i don't think he is Completely and totally inept, where you're having to teach him how to, you know, completely play the position from a technical standpoint. But I do think he needs to be reined in a little bit, and I would like to see him. I'm curious about Arkansas's offense because it is very much a college offense where he plays a lot in the shotgun, but they do a lot of uh, options and they do a lot of, you know, gimmicky sort of screens, RPOs, stuff like that. Ohio State does that too. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to say that isn't a concern for Whipler, but they do a lot more traditional passing game and also mix in a little more traditional NFL-style run game to where I feel a little better about that. For Stromberg in particular, I think the playbook is going to be a bit of an adjustment, where I don't think he can, he won't be able to learn it, but it's not going to be anything that he's going to be super familiar with, especially not the Jets playbook. And that's where I think is going to be what makes him another good candidate to be the developmental guy, where you have all of this athletic talent, you can learn from a veteran like a Ben Jones or a McGovern and iron out the other side of your game have someone there that understands the scheme that can teach you a little bit and be in the room with you to guide you along. And then you get to year two and you get your opportunity to take over. I don't think Stromberg would be a bad option at all. I think I would prefer Titman if I had to be honest, if I'm looking for between the two of them, who I would want as the developmental player, that's going to be the next center in year two, as opposed to year one. I think I like Titman's profile a little better. And I think he's a little more technically refined already so I think he could be at least in the run game and he would be able to make that transition a little bit easier where I'm going to feel more confident about him going into year two than I might Stromberg. But the potential with Stromberg is through the roof. And for the jet scheme in particular, it would be a matchmate in heaven.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the the upside with Pittman is, yeah, is probably a little higher just with the, I, I think he is a lot stronger than, than Stromberg. Uh, and has the size to boot. So I, yes, I I, I would rather titman as well. But I think that upside will also push him into the second round, and kind of put him out of reach for what I'm looking for at, for as a developmental guy, uh, or where I would be more comfortable taking a developmental guy. Uh, yeah, uh, he's he's kind of the he's been on my radar from from the very beginning. Uh, when he when I first saw him, I I I think I seen maybe like one other center. Uh, so he jumped out me out at me right away. I was like, oh, he's he's probably gonna be my number one center prospect. Uh, but then I saw how many other guys were so refined and and kind of and, and more consistent, and that and that kind of just pushed him down. Uh, but his abilities as a mover and uh with his strength are is just abundantly clear and kind of just jumps out at you when you watch him uh so it's it's the guy that you want to keep an eye on uh as far as and see how things develop with the situation in free agency uh and where what we have in terms of picks uh but yeah if we are sitting in the third round and uh he he's sitting there and we're waiting we're still looking for a developmental guy Stromberg's the guy
0: yeah I agree I, I I totally agree um I think there's a better chance that Ricky Stromberg becomes a jet than John Michael Schmitz, because I think the jets don't want to start a rookie center. And I think the only way they take JMS at 43 is if they need a rookie center. And that means they failed to get a veteran. So I'm looking at pure of an odds perspective. If I had to pick which one's more likely, I think it's more likely that Stromberg as a developmental pick happens. than the jets don't have a starting center before the draft and are forced to take JMS at 43. I'm that's how I feel. And I'm, I would not be opposed with Stromberg as developmental piece. Uh, like I said, he's a perfect fit for the scheme. The athleticism is is out of the out of this roof or out of this world, you know, through the roof. And yeah. he is a, a fantastic, fantastic athlete that would have a lot of room to grow and get better and become a really, really good player, especially if he doesn't have to start right away and he can spend his whole rookie year learning. Last guy I want to talk about is a guy I've already mentioned, and I'm going to have to do it again. I would not be able to get through the center prospect episode if I did not. Olu Segon Oluwitimi at Michigan. How on earth is this guy not getting talked about more? A, a point blank period. That is what I am going to say. I am going to this is a every, every year you have a couple of prospects. Matt as a scout. I know you understand this that you just want to hang your hat on and you don't care if you're going to be wrong. It may be against consensus, but you see what you see and you believe in it. And you're going to ride or die with that prospect because you really believe in what you see. That's Oluwatimi for me this year, where I I don't care what any national scout or, or media person or anything has him ranked. I don't care. Point blank period, it does not matter to me whatsoever. I am not going to let them influence what I have seen. From what I have seen on tape, he is the best center prospect in this class for me. Looking at everything as a whole, when I value upside, when I value elite traits, when I value diversity, are there questions there? Absolutely, but the the base of what this guy is, the floor and the 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 traits that he has just out of the box, on top of what he doesn't get enough credit for, for what he can do as well. I think you have a guy that could start day one as a rookie. Uh, he would be the third guy on my list of JMS Whipler and. Ousegon, Oluwatimi are the three centers that I would feel comfortable starting as a rookie or being picked at 43rd overall to be the Jets rookie center if it came down to it. And I wouldn't be upset whatsoever. This guy is the best drive blocker and has the best anchor I have seen out of an interior offensive lineman in a long time. It is an elite, elite skill. When he wants to move people, they move. When he wants to hold his ground and not move, if someone's trying to bull rush him, he doesn't even flinch. It's not like I'm going to give up a half a step of ground and I'm going to get slightly knocked back and reset. It's like you tried it and you ran into a giant block of steel and he doesn't move. That is huge for me. If you are a center, like I said before, keeping the front and integrity of the pocket is your number one priority giving your quarterback room to step up, giving your uh, offensive tackles room to push guys around the corner and let them go deeper and not have the quarterback just be retreating into them. It makes everything for the rest of your offense that much easier. And when you have a guy, when it's third and one, third and two, where you're on the goal line that you know every single time is going to take whatever defensive tackle is in the A gap and walk him back into the end zone and open a lane for your running back to score or get that first down, it's hugely important. That's Ola Sagon Ola in a nutshell. If you don't want your pocket to get collapsed up front and you want someone that can get you short yardage chunks every single time, this is the guy you draft. And the reason he's my number one center is he can do so much more than that. He is perfectly fine out in space. His testing numbers weren't good, and I'll be the first to admit it. But his 10 yard split was definitely above average. And on tape, it shows up. He has no problems pulling. Michigan moves him all over as a center that pulls. He does a perfectly fine job on it. And when he gets to people and he gets up to a linebacker or he gets to that defensive end and he has to turn and reach block them, it's Stonewall. It's stop them dead in their tracks. They're not moving anymore. Uh, I was joking with you before we recorded, Matt. When he gets his hands on people, it's like they're frozen in carbonite. They they don't go anywhere. And that is an elite trait. That is an elite skill. That That is something that has value. And I think for the jet scheme in particular, I think he'd be fine. I don't think he, he'd be the guy you'd be wanting to be reach blocking far three techniques where he's having to go laterally and get across and get out of his stance as fast as possible, get in front, turn and seal. I think he can do it. I don't know if you'd want him to do it all the time, but I think he could. And I think all the other value for what he brings to your offense gives him more of a, a pause where would Stromberg be able to get out and reach that three, uh, three technique better? Yeah. Yeah. But is Stromberg going to be able to down block on a one tech on power and completely wall the A-gap four yards out of the way and open a gaping hole for the running back? No, I don't think so. Is Stromberg going to be the type of guy that can pull out in space on a sweet play, seal the edge on a tight corner, take on a strong side defensive end who gets on a block, late react to what's happening, turn, knock him to the ground and seal him and open a lane for the running back? I don't think so. But I've seen Olu do this and I've seen him do it more than once. I know it's a skill. I know it's something that he can do. He won pretty much every major award for an interior offensive lineman this past year. He plays for a nationally recognized program in Michigan that was in the college football playoff. He didn't test amazing. And his senior bowl had a rough start that got better throughout the week, but definitely wasn't the darling showing of the amazement that John Michael Schmitz's senior bowl was. And that's kind of why he's been the top guy ever since then. But I don't care because the tape from Oluwatimi is the best tape I've seen out of a center this year. And in my mind, it's not even a competition. And so I can't help but have him as my top-ranked center because he fits everything that I like in prospects. The floor is high. I am confident this guy can hold up in pass protection. He's had plenty of reps against him. He picks up stunts well. He keeps his head on a swivel. He looks for works and helps his players around him. He's not just a guy that's going to stand there and watch as someone gets smoked. He's going to give his effort as much as he can. You want to try and rush him with power. It does not matter. You're not going anywhere. He's got the quickness and the hands to keep up with speed as well. It's not perfect. It's not amazing. This guy isn't a 10 out of 10 in every single box, but for what he is and what he does well, he does it at an elite level, an outright elite level. And for what the Jets need, for what the Jets have been lacking, for what we have said for so long throughout last season going, oh my God, it's third and one and you can't even get a yard come on offensive line, you can't get one yard of push to just open a lane and pick up a first down. We have no threat. We get third and short in the red zone. As soon as Brees Hall wasn't in the backfield, we're screwed. That's not going to happen anymore. And you're not going to have nearly as many free rushers up the middle. You're not going to have nearly as many opportunities where the pocket is just getting destroyed and the center is getting walked back into the quarterback's lap. I love this dude. And I, I really, really think that regardless of what team he plays for, He's going to be a really, really good player in this league for a long time, and he's going to be one of those guys that goes way later than he should, that four or five years down the line when he's a top five center in football and everyone's looking around going, oh, this dude's fantastic. You know, why was he a fourth or fifth round pick? You know, how does this always happen that these guys slip through the process? I'm going to sit back and go, I have no idea, because from (laughs) everything that I've seen, this is a guy that deserves to be a top 50 pick. His accolades back that up. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks the other day, Matt. This is Rodney Hudson 2.0. And huh. and, and I think a lot of people would be very, very happy with Rodney Hudson.
1: They would. Uh, I believe he's probably a little bit more uh, of a mover than Rodney Hudson. Uh, right. No, this is, is modern Rodney happened. Hudson. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with Olu, I love Olu. He's my fourth guy with a top 50 uh, grade for me. Uh, so it's he he he's he's up there he's in he's got the reliability that i look for uh he checks that box uh he's got incredible uh, in, uh football intelligence you can just see that he knows where to be he knows never what he's doing never he never a misses a
0: stunt never never passes anything off incorrectly reads nope. the blitz every single time knows where to be knows how to communicate every single time every, every time. single time like, yeah. Every single time I cannot find a rep where he was at a position or he misread a blitz or he didn't pick up a stunt well. He may have, you know, may not have been the cleanest block in the world. He may not have been, you know, a 10 out of 10 rep, but he didn't miss because of anything mental. He is a hundred percent sound in that aspect.
1: Absolutely. I, I really think that uh what really drags him down right now is his senior bowl performance, uh mixed with the uh, his grading at, at the at the combine. And yeah, it it's Something that's not going to drive you crazy and make you, you know, cheer from the rooftops. But at the same time, the tape, like you said, doesn't lie. He—it's not like he forgot how to be that player that he was all season. Uh, that that reliable guy that had an anchor better than any other center in this in this class. Uh, that he's still the same guy. Uh, but it, it takes a lot to really. Ri to rise in people's boards like it it takes a lot of people banging the table for you, and it probably takes a, a little bit of of uh showmanship at the combine and the senior bowl to really get people talking about you a lot more so I feel like that's what's really driving them down, whether it's warranted or not, I would say not uh, I'm sure you would as well, and it's it it's something that maybe just helps us a little bit. Uh, if, if he does drop because of this, uh, I would be more than happy to take him. If he dropped to the third round uh, and take him over Stromberg, I would do that in a second. Uh, because, yeah, he, he's just so reliable, so strong, can move. He's not the best mover. Uh, he's not going to uh, beat Whippler or, or, uh, or Tipman or Stromberg in a race. I would even say JMS is probably a little bit better of a mover than him. But at the same time, he's not going to be far behind. He's not going to be far behind. Um, My only concern is more from not my perspective, but from the perspective of the Jets, where his athletic profile maybe just might not be what they're looking for. Uh, But if that's the case, then it's probably not for JMS's either. So it's it's kind of... uh, You can go for reliability, uh, IQ and the and high uh, floor, or you can go for the 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 guys that are really meet the profile of what they're looking for. Um, all we really can go by is is uh, Connor McGovern at this point. Connor McGovern is the guy that they sought out and brought in. The guy that is very athletic. So if we're comparing the guy that they or have already taken in Conor McGovern and a guy that who we love in Olu. I would say Olu's maybe a little less of a match if we're trying to compare those two. Uh, but you know what? What what uh, general manager's do, uh, isn't doesn't force feed them uh, or force them into a position to do the same exact thing going forward. So yes, I would love Olu. I
0: wouldn't be disappointed at all. I'm right there with you. Uh, And the last point that you just made uh, is just because GMs have shown some way of wanting to do things in the past doesn't mean that it's always going to be the same in the future. And I would argue that maybe the Jets saw Connor McGovern and said, yeah, he can move and he fits our scheme and he's great. But then they got into those third down and short situations when they couldn't get a yard or any amount of push up front. And maybe they want to pivot a little bit. Maybe they might value someone who's got a little more power. Maybe they want someone who can hold the front of the pocket a little better because they know they're going to have a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Those needs might be a little different. And for for what it's worth, for for people that are sitting here thinking that Olu is this big lumbering you know oof that can't get out on the move and we're we're making up for him, he had a higher RAS than John Michael Schmitz. Olu had a 7.72. John Michael Schmitz, I think, was a 6.53. So you're there there is a difference here. On tape, we're saying that JMS probably moves a little bit better, and that's why the tape always matters most. But we're talking about guys that athletically, at least from a testing perspective, and I'd argue from a tape perspective, too, are very, very similar. And if anyone is going to sit here and tell me that John Michael Schmitz fits the jet scheme, then so does Oluwasegon, Oluwatimi. And, and if you disagree with that, then you are disagreeing with your own assessment, because of the only reason a center fits this wide zone scheme is their ability to get out in space, their ability to reach block, their ability to be quick off the ball, get up to linebackers off double teams on inside zone and seal on reach blocks on the interior on outside zone. That is what makes a center a fit for this offense. And so if John Michael Schmitz can do it, from what I've seen on tape, so can Olu. And I don't want to hear any arguments to the contrary. Uh, it's We talked before we started recording, Matt. I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> I, I'm I'm absolutely losing my mind here because I cannot remember any other example of a guy that's been nationally recognized, played on a highly decorated, well-known, nationally you know popular team that was in the college football playoff, that locked for a 1,400-yard future first-round pick running back that was one of the biggest names in college football, that gets to the draft process, has nothing but clean tape, has an OK senior bowl, and has some okay testing, where testing as a 772 RAS makes you an above-average athlete. It's not like he was bad has an okay process but not an excellent process and it's like he doesn't even exist it's like there's three or four or five other players that are in my opinion not as good on tape as him getting pumped up and getting talked about like they are so much better and here's poor olu's getting rated as like a fifth round pick where i've seen him all the way down to the 150s and 160s on some aggregate big boards and it, i it's it's Insane to me. It's absolutely insane because I cannot figure out what people are seeing if they aren't watching the tape for themselves to sit here and tell me that this guy doesn't deserve to be a top 50 pick. Because I'm I haven't felt this way about a center and I can't remember how long. <laughs> like I, I'm and I love offensive line play. Line play and running backs are my two favorite things to scout every year, and it's not even a competition. I have not had this much of a love for a center prospect in a very, very, very long time. The last guy that I loved this much, and they're completely and totally different types of players, but the same sort of feeling that I had of, oh, my God, this guy is so good. like Take him as high as you want because you know he's going to be that good. That was Creed Humphrey. And Creed Humphrey went lower than he should have, too. And he was a second. Look at him now. (laughs) And look at him now. And now every NFL team in the world would love to have Creed Humphrey. I feel the exact same way about Olu, and Olu's going to go lower than Creed Humphrey did. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can see it.
1: it, it when, when I'm trying to compare him to Schmitz, I, I see Schmitz as more of a fluid mover, and maybe that's why he looks a little quicker on, on tape, is that I he's think just right. so fluid in getting to where he wants to be, and, and Olu's maybe a little clunkier, but he still gets there. And so it's just a slight difference, but one that I don't see really making that much of a difference in the grand scheme. Um, yeah, you can jumble all these guys up, put them in a, put them in a hat and pick a, pick a name. And you're probably most likely going to get a, a prospect that you can rely on going forward for the next 10 to 15 years.
0: So have at it, pick, pick one and, and have fun. Yeah. Uh, honestly i think their best case scenario like we've said multiple times now figure out your starter for 2023 in free agency if you have to bring mcgovern back so be it and hope that he's fine with taking a pay cut that matches the market because if he's not i don't know who's going to give it to him but it, it shouldn't be the jets and if it that's what it takes that's what it takes get your starting center for this year figured out and use your third or fourth round pick on the best developmental center prospect left available and expect them to start in 2024 And if they, like we're talking about, if they can, if they get round four, Oluwatimi, that's going to be the best pick of the draft for me. Like that's going to be the steal of the draft for me. I I will, that will be an A plus 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 plus. I could not love that anymore. That would be a dream come true. And the fact that right now that seems like an actual possibility is blowing my mind. Yeah. I, I think there's a decent possibility. He can, we can see him fall,
1: uh, and if he's there at 73 or 74, I keep forgetting which one we have. 74. 74.
0: Then I am running that card up. Yeah, so am I. Uh, I, I, I don't understand it. I think that does it for this week. We've laid through pretty much all of the top guys that we think are valuable at, within the top four rounds of center prospects that Jets could take. I think when you're looking at this team's need as a whole, uh, where I, I want to end, I would argue that this could be, you could make an argument, this is their most important need. Because they absolutely need to get tackle figured out, but you could make the argument that they have Dwayne Brown coming back. They are going to have a healthy Mikayi Beckton, They can move Vera Tucker if they need to. You know, there's we're not sure about the guys in place, but there are guys in place. You look at defensive tackle; pretty much Quinnen Williams and Solomon Thomas are the only guys they got there. But at least Quinnen Williams is an All Pro, so you got something there. They have nothing at center right now. Nothing. And i you could i really think you could make an argument that that is their most important need one way or another oh absolutely
1: uh yeah it, it, yeah exactly like like you said with with tackle, you can make an argument that we're set, uh so yeah, it's center it's it, it's always gonna be center that we're looking for uh let's just get it done let's let's get Jones in, let's get McGovern in um we 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 need at least that solid vet starter and then we can look towards the draft for the, our future uh it, it's something that we haven't really had solidified since mangled uh and it's an overall problem i it's it's been down it's been downright bad uh and it's just been a kind of a, a crapshoot in what we've had to deal with uh so yeah i would love to nail that down uh,
0: and move forward, and then we can worry about our other holes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope that you know, argument's sake, let's hope that they send 43 for Rodgers, and they sign Ben Jones, and they're forced to take a developmental guy in the mid-rounds, because it'll be the better situation for him anyway. Absolutely. Alright, you guys, appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for stopping by and listening, and we will be back real, real soon to continue breaking down the Jets roster. Matt, you know what to do. Uh, Matt, you can find me at ZazzyJets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Make sure you're also following the show at OKD Podcast. Appreciate you guys stopping by one more time and we'll be back soon. Bye bye.